how language does what had happened and to me that that if to not have the ability to report discrimination for a company mm -hmm. that I know values um, diverse perspectives and wants to really make sure they're providing a welcome environment for everyone, mm -hmm. it seems like a huge oversight. And yes. so I'm just, I'm really excited that we're going to be working with them mm -hmm. um, to create that for everyone. Yeah. Um, I just saw an article today too that had mentioned that um, African American, Black, and LGBTQ folks often get uh, denied rides or skipped over by all rideshare companies. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. just, I think, to, to be able to report that, I think it's also sometimes so hard that, like, how can you, you know, if somebody just comes up and cancels on you, right. you don't specifically know the reason. Right, but right. I remember I was... Um, I was I went with a friend to Steamworks and when uh -huh. we and we were getting a ride coming back and he put the location of Steamworks yes. and a car was coming and then it canceled and uh -huh. another car was coming and it canceled. Wow. And so I think a lot of times that search function when you know the place that you're at might yes. have some effect on someone that like a lot of people do choose not to pick us up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's similar to what was happening with, you know, taxis too. Yeah, like absolutely. it's not it's not a new problem. No. no. Not oh. at all. Yeah, well. But um, yeah, I, I you know I I just saw it as an opportunity that mm -hmm. like I, okay this not great thing happened to yeah. me how can I just make the best of it to make mm -hmm. sure that this um, try to reduce the amount of times this could happen to other people right right uh, I appreciate that and that's an important reminder for all the listeners out there that <laughs> we you know we can make change and yeah take action yeah i think it's it's you just have to take whatever changes and right in front of you yeah. it's like you know it, not everything is going to be big and sweeping and even the agreement that we reached with lyft it it wasn't the big sweeping change we want but it right. was progress mm -hmm. and i think that that's so critical to like it's not always going to be revolution sometimes it has to be in incremental change right and that doesn't mean that it's any less important absolutely and it will make it easier for more folks down the line eventually we'll get that revolution oh yeah oh yes <laughs> many of us are just on board yes <laughs> on yes. board waiting for that <laughs> yeah so um so hashtag fem masculine yeah opened uh, last night last night they had a yes. great show yes and it's happening again tonight uh -huh. and the fifth as well as next the October 10th, 11th, and 12th. Yeah, yes. Yeah, we're running for two weeks down at Brava Theater Center. That's down at 24th and York. Mm -hmm. And we are in their brand new storefront cabaret space. Ooh. Just super cute. Yet. It's right out on the street. Oh, it's, excellent. Um, space that they purchased about a decade ago. Okay. Um, and then their executive director, Stacey Powers, has really been um, getting the organization of the last 10 years on really solid financial footing and able to build out that new space that they had. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's really great to be in that space. Um, Margot Gomez had the first show in there. Oh, yeah. So I just, I feel so honored to be in the same space with folks like her, uh, Tina D'Elia, yeah. um, Aegis Cooper, other, other artists that are in residence at Brava. Oh yeah. They yeah. always such great shows there and i'm so grateful that the the space exists me too yeah but um the show starts at eight o'clock mm -hmm. uh thursday friday saturday well i guess friday saturday this week and then thursday mm -hmm. friday saturday next week if you want to come i think the special family showing where i'm pretty sure like my mom and sister are flying in <gasps> oh. and i think my dad and stepmom might also be coming to the same show so hopefully that will be a good one i don't know <laughs> but um that's happening next friday okay. and um yeah it's a super fun show it's just about 75 minutes um, I spent a lot of time on my phone. You're allowed to take pictures during the phone and be on it. I'm like, I'm like, if I have my phone on stage, I can't tell you not to have your phone out in the audience. <laughs> but no, you should watch me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So come out for that. Uh, it's going to run for a couple weeks. And then after that, we're just going to try to shop it around, maybe to see if we can get it touring around the country. Too. Oh, that'd be excellent. Yeah. And also wanted to note that the uh, creative director is B. Thomas. Yes, B. Beatrice Thomas, a.k.a. Black Benatar, yes, a.k.a. Yes. my work wife. Or no, my work husband. I'm her work wife. I forget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, and, and Beatrice was on the show, I believe, last year or the year before. Mm -hmm. so yes. Really grateful that yeah. you all are collaborating. Absolutely. Beatrice is um, one of my favorite people to collaborate with. Mm -hmm. We've been working together on so many shows. We... Um, used to do uh, this cabaret that was about the intersection of commercialism and the occult called Ooh. Dr. Zabrowski's Hour of Power. Oh, wow. Um, and then we did a one called Public Prophecy as well. 
Um, but Beatrice has been such a force for this show and kind of giving the whole production like a shape and a feel. Um, we've also been working with Ryan Marchand, who's a really amazing performer and uh, educator and community um, organizer. Um, he has been giving more like theatrical direction. Our technical director, Erica Sokolauer Shane, has been crushing it. We've got some great lights by Kathy Anderson. Uh, my partner, Derek Schmidt, did all of our music. Um, yeah, and a zillion other collaborators too. I don't want to forget anybody, but I'm sorry. Um, and uh, yeah. Excellent. Well, very much look forward to seeing it. Absolutely. I can't wait to come see. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to promote before we wrap up? Uh, I'm tired. That's about it. It's just this thing. Got I'm it. taking a nap. Got it. I <laughs> totally hear you. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Roman. Yeah, and hope to see you again here. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, didn't take a bit of a music break and might take a, a moment to get all set up. And then afterwards, we'll be back with some more news. Stay tuned.
welcome back to the weekly review. Big thanks to Kevin Seaman for being on the show. Hashtag Femme Masculine is playing at Brava Cabaret Theater tonight, which is October 4th, tomorrow, October 5th, as well as next Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the 10th through the 12th. We've got some more news for you. Also like to provide ways that folks can take action. And I, a constant reminder is that everyone has a voice. Everyone can make a difference, etc. So regardless of one's situation, if you would like to make a change, there are so many folks who are organizing right now, and there's plenty of ways to get plugged in. And one way I will share with you at the moment. So October 3rd to 8th, which is happening right now, Hashtag we remember days of awe and action for immigrant families. And this is an email from the group Band the Ark. And this is the first action of 5780 is with immigrant families. So Ben the Ark says the days of awe are here between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Ben the Ark leaders have events planned across the country to demand their members of Congress stop our government's cruelty against immigrant families. Today alone, Jews in Long Island, New York, Cleveland, Ohio, Los Angeles and the Bay Area, California, are organizing to say, we remember and we demand action. Our week of action will be so much more powerful if every member of Congress hears from the Jewish community loud and clear, add to the chorus right now. And they provide a link where you can email your member of Congress and they have a quick form. It's the Jewish New Year, hold ICE and CBP accountable for cruelty against immigrants. And I've shared this link on Twitter at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R, as well as our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash weekly rev. They say, we remember the names of the children who have died in U.S. custody. We remember the families kept in cages without soap, blankets, or water. We remember the screams of children whose parents were rounded up in raids. This is a critical moment to contact your member of Congress because the bigger, excuse me, the biggest fight on immigration this year will be over will be overfunding, and the Trump administration thinks the public isn't paying attention. The administration is continuing to ask Congress for billions of dollars to escalate its cruelty against immigrant families and communities, but if thousands of us take action alongside our our partners, we can get Congress to stop them. That's why today through Sunday, Jewish leaders across the country are demanding their members of Congress cut funding to ICE and CBP and hold these agencies accountable to directly combat Trump Ew, I said his name. And remove the resources that enable the violent enforcement of his immigration policies. Again, you can send an email to your member of Congress right now to demand accountability for cruelty against immigrant families this year. And they provide the link. As we reflect during these high holy days, we and as we approach the anniversary of the shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue, we know that the Trump administration's attacks on immigrants are rooted in the same white nationalism that has targeted the Jewish community, the Muslim community, indigenous folks, people of color, and people with disabilities. We know that the only way to win is to show up together in solidarity while you join us. So that is one way that folks can help out, sign this petition, share it with other folks as well, contact folks who are in Congress and get them to act. Next up, more events that folks can participate in. Here on the show, we are prison abolitionists. We believe that we can build a world without prisons and the idea of rehabilitating people and helping people instead of punishing people, especially when there are, when poverty is criminalized here in this country and how many folks, there's millions of people incarcerated. It's just, it's disgusting and it's fucking gross. And we did hear the, the story earlier on in the program from Democracy Now! And that was an interview from 2013 and things I'd imagine have only gotten worse as far as militarization has ramped up. So there are some DAs who have been elected who do believe in reform and moving towards, hopefully, prison abolition. And in the meantime, recognizing how many folks are arrested for victimless crimes. So one thing that folks can do to support folks who are incarcerated is to find pen pals to write to people, can send books to people, and one organization that helps connect folks is Black and Pink, and they deal exclusively with LGBTQ folks who are incarcerated. 
So there is the Flying Over Walls Prisoner Solidarity Project, and Black and Pink, they're, it's a, they're located in many cities, so there may be a city where, maybe located in a city where you live. I know Chicago is one, here in the Bay Area, folks meet, and many other cities as well. So regardless of where you are, hopefully you can tap in with a group that is local. And this is what they share. Autumn is here, and we've got so many exciting opportunities for you to stay warm in the company of community this season. We're excited to tell you that they are currently planning. I'm going to move this over so I can read the full email. The fourth round of queer and trans prison abolition study group for this coming January through June 2020. This will be our second inside-outside study group, meaning it will include both free world and... Uh, excuse me, I need to... get the screen to a size that I can read. There we go. Okay, this will be our second inside-outside study group, meaning it will include both free world and incarcerated members. We are in the process of recruiting 10 to 12 incarcerated folks who are interested in discussing the readings through pen pal letters, and each of them will be matched with an outside member of the study group. If you're interested in joining us, please read and then fill out the form. And they have emailed this to me, and I'm thinking about a way I can share this with you listeners out there. It's a Google Doc, and this is for the SF Bay Area Black and Pink 2020 Inside Outside Study Group. So I think one way that folks could perhaps find this is if you sign up to get on the mailing list. So let me go to that first. So if you're not on the mailing list, you can subscribe and... And or, I'm just going to give the email address here, uh, flyingoverwalls at lists.riseup.net. So if you want to email them and tell them that you're interested, that's one way to do it and find the link. There's also, they have a lot of letter writing news and events that are coming up. So community news and events, and this again, it's for the Bay Area. Monday, October 14th, uh, join... Survived and Punished and TGIJP for Freedom California, a panel and letter writing event. And this is join us in a conversation with a panel of criminalized survivors and learn how to support the fight against gender violence and criminalization. And I'm going to take a look at this link to share the location. And this is happening Monday, October 14th at the East Side Arts Alliance which is at 2277 International Boulevard in Oakland. Next up, Wednesday, October 16th, save the date. Berkeley City College will be hosting a summit on the mental health impacts of mass incarceration, and our very own Casper, also of ABO Comics, will be speaking on a panel. Next, Friday, October 18th, the No New SF Jail Coalition is asking community members to come show their support at an important hearing on the closure of the jail at 850 Bryant. We are calling for a rapid closure of 850 Bryant without the opening or, or renovation of any jail, transferring prisoners out of county, or an expansion of electronic monitoring. The hearing is scheduled for 10.30 a.m. at SF City Hall. More details to come. On Saturday, October 19th, we along, and again, this is black and pink, along with ABO Comics, will be at the Our Town SF Nonprofit Expo, the largest LGBTQ resource fair ever in San Francisco. Getting my announcer voice here. And again, it's October 19th, and that's at the Eureka Valley Recreation Center, which is at 100 Collingwood Street in San Francisco. Next up. Wednesday, October 23rd, join Initiate Justice for Bay Area Mail Night. This will be responding to mail from our members inside who have questions regarding current or past legislation, learning more about our policy work, and more. The event is open to anyone and everyone. Excuse me. The event is open to everyone, and dinner will be served. Please bring a laptop if you can. And let's see where this one's happening. And they have Facebook events for all of these. And that's happening at the Urban Strategies Council, which is at 1720 Broadway on the second floor in Oakland. Next up, Wednesday, October 30th. 
join a growing coalition of groups outside the California Corrections Department in a rally to expose hashtag MeToo behind bars. Hashtag MeToo behind bars is a campaign to expose how the prison system uses sexual and gender-based violence, including homophobia and transphobia, to target people who they incarcerate and whose daily lives they have almost total control over. For more details about the campaign and rally, they provide a link. And again, there's a Facebook invite. And that if you type in Me Too Behind Bars Rally, and that's hosted by the California Coalition for Women Prisoners and Young Women's Freedom Center, and that's happening Wednesday, October 30th, from noon to 2 p.m. at the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. I am going to increase the font so I can read this. 1515 S Street in Sacramento. Again, California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation at 1515 S Street in Sacramento, Wednesday, October 30th, from noon to 2 p.m. Okay, lots of events that folks can check out. So based on your schedule, your availability, your accessibility needs, what you have energy for, lots of different ways to show up. Uh, please do get plugged in if you are able. And also, there's a new location, uh, TGIJP. They have a mail night every Tuesday from 4 to 8 p.m. at 1349 Mission Street. And they also have more info, and I believe that's the old center for uh, sex and culture. That was the, yes, that was 1349 Mission here in San Francisco. Uh, was, yes, the old center for center for sex and culture. So, yes, please do check out Mail Night. And again, that's every Tuesday from 4 to 8 p.m. Okay, that is a lot of information. Also, oh wait, yes, there's more. Monthly letter writing in San Francisco. This happened last night at Wicked Grounds. And in Oakland on Monday, tw Monday, October 21st from 6 to 8 p.m., folks will be meeting at Farley's Cafe at 33 Grand Avenue in Oakland near 19th Street, BART. And that is where you can write letters to folks as well as send postcards for people's birthdays and etc. and meet with community. Great. So that is some more information. I oh have a story that's oh, I mean everything's difficult. Not everything. Many things are difficult. There's an article from Common Dreams that was published in Truth Out on October second, and it's also crucial to talk about here on the show, not necessarily, not a big fan, not a fan at all of Republicans, not a fan of most Democrats, and those in positions of power cause a lot of harm, and that's kind of where we are. And as long as folks only care about protecting the wealthy and corporate interests, then we're all going to, it's going to be bad news. That's a, a summary of where we're at. So when folks say that the only thing that people can do is vote, that's really short-sighted and be wrong. And I get that it's people's opinion, however... Through history, it's been riots and strikes and protests that have changed the course of history. And voting can work in a way of making it easier to organize, depending on who's in a position of power. And at the same time, voting and can be rigged. And if the folks who are running aren't necessarily folks who are looking out for people, that's, that's not a good sign. So there were, I remember shortly after 2016, folks were saying, oh, we'll just wait till 2020. And... Someone had mentioned in terms of all the deportations and the family separations, which of course have been happening in this country since the very beginning, the idea of someone you know, saying, hey, if your child was kidnapped, would you wait until 2020 to do something about it? So it's really, the idea is just to push people to act, to take action right now. And if this, if this was your family, would you just wait until the next election cycle. And it's not even just about waiting, but this idea that you're waiting for something to happen for someone else to do something about it. And who's to say that those other folks who may or may not even get into office will necessarily even make things better. And want to encourage folks to take, we can take action into our own hands and people throughout history have done exactly that and have gotten things done. So this is something else that have, you know, the folks that refuse fascism have been saying from the very beginning, many folks have been saying from the very beginning with fascism, it's, it's not like you just vote people out. It's not a system that has any, there's no morals to it, there's no rules to it. People appoint themselves. And the, the scariest part is that there are a lot of, they have a lot of followers who are 
into committing violence. They already have committed violence. And that backed with, you got the state violence and then you have vigilante violence against many folks. And oh, there's, that's my opening to this article. So th again, this is from Jake Johnson. It was published October 2nd uh, in Common Dreams as well as Truth Out. Will Trump refuse to leave? We should be worried about this tweet. So fuckface, I try not to talk about him too much because I recognize he's just, it's a, the systems that are in place have gotten him to where he is. His racist asshole father was a landlord who, if he had been stopped, then, you know, it's this whole, just the system that's in place. So recognizing it's more than just this one person. And even once he's out of office, that doesn't necessarily mean that the system's going to fall apart, even though it's it's just uh, it's beyond one person. So I think that's what I'm trying to say is that he's representative of the whole system, and even if, even and when if he's out, other things need to be changed. That makes sense. Hope so. I'm talking a lot of things out today. It's a bit explanatory. So moving along, he was talking about a coup and all this nonsense. Days after amplifying a right-wing pastor's warning of a quote-unquote civil war-like fracture if he is removed from office, President Fuckface, my words, not the words of the article, late Tuesday said the impeachment inquiry launched by House Democrats is a coup, heightening fears that 45 could refuse to allow a peaceful transition of power. And also, I'm going to make a note, have there ever been peaceful transitions of power in one way or another? Things aren't even peaceful when there's not even a transition of power. Anyway. <sighs> Let me finish the sentence. Uh, uh, he would ref could refuse uh, to allow a peaceful transition of power if he is ousted by Congress or defeated in 2020. Um, then they quote him, and he's just talking about a lot of fucking nonsense. Observers reacted with alarm to 45's tweet and said that it should not be treated as a typical online outburst from the president. This is excuse me, this is extremely dangerous, Matthew Gertz, senior fellow at Media Matters, said, pointing out that Fox News hosts and contributors have been aggressively pushing the coup narrative in recent days. 45's coup language isn't an errant presidential tweet, Gertz added. It's an official Trump, ugh, ugh, my mouth feels so gross when I say his fucking name, administration talking points that multiple top aides have rolled out on state TV today. Historian Angus Johnston asked in response to 45's tweet, what happens when he tweets something like this the day after he loses re-election? The orderly transfer of power in the U.S. has always depended on the active cooperation of the outgoing president. What happens if that cooperation is not forthcoming? The answer, the day-to-day -day answer for November and December 2020 and January 2021 isn't obvious. Johnson said, tweets like tonight's crank up the costs of breaking up, of breaking with Trump. Ugh. Ugh. But they also underscore the fact that there's no guarantee that waiting, that waiting him out will be an effective alternate strategy. Concerns that 45 could resist leaving office if ousted by the constitutional process of impeachment or defeated in the 2020 election are not new. 45 has repeatedly suggested on Twitter and during campaign rallies that his term should be extended to compensate for the time, quote unquote, stolen by the Mueller investigation. This is not a drill. And there is no reason to believe 45 will go quietly if he is defeated, wrote The Intercept's Mehdi Hassan in a column in March. There is every reason, however, to believe he and his allies will incite hysteria and even violence. Those who assume otherwise haven't been paying attention. In the days since House Democrats formally began their impeachment inquiry last month, 45 has rapidly escalated his hysterical attacks on political opponents and the whistleblower who raised alarm about the pre fuckers, I can't even say the word, uh, call with Ukraine's leader. Last week, as Common Dreams reported, 45 suggested the person who provided information about 45's call with the Ukrainian president is a spy and traitor who should be executed. On Sunday, 45 warned of big consequences for the whistleblower as the anonymous individual's lawyers said the president's attacks have put the person's safety at risk. On Monday, 45 asked whether Representative Adam Schiff, Democrat from California, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, should be arrested for treason a crime punishable by death following the president's coup tweet Tuesday night. I can't believe I'm saying that. So gross. Okay. Trita Parsi, executive vice president of the Quincy Institute said the logical conclusion of this nonsensical statement is that the military should step in, save 45 and arrest 45's political opponents. Let that sink in. Parsi added. Yikes. So again, 
Uh, you can find this at truthout.org. Jake Johnson is a staff writer for Common Dreams. You can follow him on Twitter at Johnson Jake P. All right. That was a lot of talking. We're going to be finishing up the show in a little bit. I'm going to find some fun music to play. Maybe it's not fun, but I'll play some music. We'll be back in a bit. All right, going to go over a couple more things before we wrap up the show today. 
the story comes from Seattle, and of course there are patterns in many places here uh, in the in the U.S. And this is about <sighs> fair enforcement and how. Uh, it's actually cheaper to not charge people to ride the train than it is to hire folks to be fair enforcers. There's an article in the Seattle Times that came out on October 4th. That's today, 2019. Seattle Times, black passengers getting cited, punished disproportionately by sound transit fare enforcement. <sighs> this was written by Heidi Groover. When fare enforcement officers board a sound transit train, they begin at either end and work their way toward the middle. One by one, passengers tap their ORCA cards on handheld devices or show their tickets to prove they've paid. But practice is designed, or excuse me, the practice is designed to be unbiased, the agency says, a safeguard against potential profiling by officers. But sound tra transit data shows this system is not preventing disproportionate punishment. While 9% of people who ride light rail and sounder commuter trains are black or african-american 22 percent of riders are caught up in the fare enforcement system over the last four years were black according to rider surveys and enforcement data collected by sound transit for black riders the disproportionately the, dis the disproportionate the disproportionality grows as the punishment gets more severe from warnings to 124 dollars tickets to misdemeanor theft charges about half of riders who in the last four years faced a misdemeanor for failing to pay fare were black. They provide a chart of the demographics. <sighs> Disparities, both by race and by income, have led politicians and transit agencies across the country to rethink fare enforcement, sometimes pitting social and racial justice advocates against publicly funded agencies anxious to appear fiscally responsible. And... They also provide a survey where if you're in Seattle, you can share your experience with Seattle, the Seattle region's fair enforcement system. At, C at Sound Transit, officials are aware of the disparities, but don't yet have an explanation or solution. Shocking. Some in the agency also say fair enforcement makes riders feel safer and therefore more likely to use the system. Uh, and they... Um, speak to a sound transit chief of staff, Rhonda Carter, who says, it's certainly troubling. It's troubling to see pretty starkly what looks like a disparity. But the numbers don't answer why people don't, didn't pay, Carter said. Was it a wayfinding issue? Was it, I literally don't have the money? Was it, I just forgot to tap for the third time this year? Sound transit plans uh, to survey riders later this year. Critics say the existing data proves the system is failing. Some question whether a public transit system should be punishing people who can't afford to ride. When light rail was built through Seattle's Rainier Valley, we were told it's going to be an opportunity for people in our neighborhood to go downtown for jobs, an opportunity for enhancing our well-being, said Gregory Davis, managing strategist at the Rainier Beach Action Coalition, one of the dozens of organizations urging enforcement changes. What if what comes out of it is a fair enforcement policy that indebts our young people, that's the opposite of what we were told the benefit would be, Davis said. A small share of sound transit riders encounter fair enforcement each year, and fewer still are warned, cited, or charged. But disparities worsen with each step, with, each step, with black riders receiving 19% of warnings, 43% of tickets, and 57% of theft cases over four years. Riders who don't pay can get one warning and, if found guilty again within a year, a $124 ticket, a second ticket, then a misdemeanor charge. In May, the agency... Oops. I uh, clicked on uh, a chart here. Okay. 43% uh, of tickets and 57% of theft cases over four years. Riders who don't pay can get one warning and, if found again within a year, a $124 ticket, a second ticket, and then a misdemeanor charge. In May, the agency quietly paused referring cases for misdemeanors. It's unclear if the agency will permanently stop those referrals. I'm going to take a moment, and there's like one, there's some more paragraphs left, but I'm going to just stop and just say, hey, Jeff Bezos, who lives uh, close outside of Seattle, who's a billionaire who could give 
all of the money to make Seattle Transit free, not criminalize people who are unable to pay, he would still have more than enough money. So I just think about how backwards it is. I think about this in many situations where folks who are just struggling to get their basic needs met, that we have the resources as a country to, to pay for. It's not unimaginable. It's possible. So many things are possible, yet greed prevents people from moving forward with that. Oh, goodness. Ugh. I think I just talked myself into a, a sadness corner. Oh, goodness. There has to be something that is hopeful. In San Francisco, this isn't necessarily um, hopeful, but I want to just share a few more things. Oh, I do like to try to end on a positive news story to get myself and all the listeners up, upbeat, happy about something good. Uh, but there are some just things I also wanted to mention that are not so happy. So there are folks... Uh, in the Clinton Park area in San Francisco who fundraised over $4,000 to get boulders placed on the sidewalk because they didn't want unhoused people to exist. And then there was a battle between folks rolling those boulders off the sidewalk. It's also, not only is it just incredibly classist and fucked up, but it's also a um, accessibility issue where folks can't navigate on the sidewalk. And so people were, so there was like, People were moving it off the sidewalk and then it's being pushed back on the sidewalk and then DPW got involved. And these are also boulders that have been around for years, I think. So also DPW is involved with it. And it was just nonsense. And the the GoFundMe where these people who have thousands, they raise thousands of dollars. And instead of saying, hey, let's raise thousands of dollars and maybe like how is a family pay p people's rent for a month or two or feed people or provide access uh, to services for people. They instead decide to make life harder for people, and that's what what's it. It's just so fucking frustrating where it's – you recognize there's something that makes people uncomfortable, and instead of trying to find ways to rehabilitate, to offer services, to help people, uh, they cause – people cause more harm. And that's the thing where even if you're like – it's even better to like not do anything than it is in some of these situations than people who are actually causing harm, like calling the cops on unhoused people or causing sweeps, taking people's possessions, people who don't have much to begin with. It's so frustrating. Ah. Speaking of frustrating, uh, Palantir has still not uh, – uh, they're still doing business with ICE. So tonight at 7 p.m., CCC, CCCC, four C's, four C's, Bay Area. Uh, follow them on Twitter at Close the Camps BA. Call to action tonight, 7 p.m. The Palo Alto BW Ball has not dropped Palantir Tech as a sponsor for their event. We cannot allow them to normalize Palantir and its cruelty. Palantir money is blood money. We need folks to flyer to attendees and let them know Palantir's crimes. I am retweeting this. Uh, excuse me. I am retweeting this flyer on Twitter. Again, you can follow Close the Camps BA or me at R O M A N R I M E R. In Ecuador today, second day of a national strike against the president. This was shared by Joshua Potash, and that's J O S H U A P O T A S H. I will also share that. So around the world, protests are happening. There are some more in other places as well that I wanted to get to. Oh. I'm also reading on Mother Jones. The EPA just issued a notice of environmental violation in San Francisco after 45 claimed the city's large... Ugh, fuckers. This is about uh, water pollution, even though I would suggest that it's uh, Chevron and perhaps the big companies here that are polluting the water more than uh, – and all the fucking automobiles because they decided not to invest in public transit. Anyway. Ugh. There's an article on motherjones.com if you'd like to read more about that. And – I am scrolling down to see if there's something else I can share that will end on a positive note. Because there, there are a lot of scary things happening and a lot of frightening things that are happening. And also a lot of folks taking action 
and I perhaps did not get to some of those stories this week. And I apologize. I also just want to encourage folks to donate to Chesa Bodine's campaign for district attorney to ensure that there is an election since the mayor has just decided to replace Gascon with Susie Loftus, who is running against Chesa. Oh, goodness. And, well, that might just be it. A lot of more things going on, but uh, it's 1.43. I feel like I have spoken quite a bit. I have used my voice, and, well, I am seeing from alternate that the Democrats have roped Mike Pence into the impeachment inquiry of Trump. I hope they all fucking go. So I guess we'll take what we can get for there. Um, big thanks to Kevin Seaman for being on the show. Again, you can check out Kevin's show, hashtag FemMasculine, at the Brava Cabaret Theater. For more info, go to brava.org. And that's, again, um, October 4th and 5th, the 10th through the 12th at 8 p.m. I think that's going to be it for me. Stay tuned to Mutiny Radio. Oh, I should plug the station. Hello. There's shows here every day of the week. Please listen in. Please donate to the station. We stay open based on dues. So please, please, please donate if you can. If you'd like to support the show in particular, you can do so if you go to patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. Thanks so much. And, Cap, yeah, that's about it. I'm going to play some more music <laughs> for you all. Thanks again so much for listening. Have a good week. And we'll be back next week. And taking a moment to choose the song, sometimes eh, it takes me a while. So I'm going to see what I'm in the mood for. And in the meantime, I am going to speak. Super professional here. And what are we going to decide on? All right. Here we go. Have a great week, everybody.
Square, it's uh, it's not Tuesday or six o'clock. Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've been hearing his name all over the land. Hey, this week on Bug House Square. Um, Tell me it's uh, we're doing something different, and it's it's uh let me let, let me get in let me lean into this a bit. Um, I'm at home right now because uh, everybody's supposed to be at home. So I've uh, I used to be down in the basement, but now I'm upstairs. <laughs> so yeah, I'm in uh, I'm in kind of a little you know, workspace. So here we are. Um, it is what it is. And uh, so hopefully, um, maybe if you're listening to this, everything is, is great, you know, because these sit around a while. But uh, in real time here, there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty. And uh, we've got a uh, pandemic on our hands. And we're trying to lay low so we're laying low so uh i i i'm, I'm a little stiff right now because I, I i i crave those vibes that only uh 21st in florida can give you um and now i'm in my like little hovel and uh i can't really like yell and stuff because there's neighbors and you know i'm not alone but uh i got a shit ton of good music, so that's good. So uh, tonight is going to be uh, kind of trying to get some happy songs and some uh, things that might uh, kind of grate on me. So, oh, and we got some uh, contributors too. And, and, and I'm, uh, this is, you know, this could be the first of many that's in here. So it's going to take me a little while to loosen up, but. Um, like I said, hopefully, technically, everything's going to work here. So uh, um, thanks for doing, doing what you got to do to do. And uh, and we're in the middle of Lent, too. <laughs> so it's like, uh, could use a beer right now, but uh, no, I'm being good. Um, so welcome. Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've heard his name all over the land. 